think I'm, I'm pretty excited. There's a gentleman um, named Frank Greer. I, I've met with him a couple times now, but he, he has done more and done more even for Foursquare at a national level and global level than any of us realize, and he won't even have time today to speak all the things that he's done. Heavily involved in missions uh, with Foursquare and training the missionaries that go through FMI. In fact, I think you train every missionary that does go through FMI, um, which is amazing. He goes down to California every year to do that. And then he is also uh, the head um, at Life Ministry Institute, LMI. If you've ever heard of LMI, um, Life Ministry Institute. We talked about it like a year ago um, before um, Adam decided to bail on me and, and go to Texas. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we want to do it again. We want to see if there's interest to teach uh, classes actually here at LifeSpring. We would love to have some sort of extension of uh, Life Ministry Institute here for us to learn, for us to take those classes. And so... Um, we don't know what's going to happen there. We're, we're not going to force anything or manipulate anything, but we are allowing uh, our hearts to be open to what God might want to do. But with all that being said, would you please give a big round of applause and welcome for Frank Greer. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It is a delight and an honor to be here with you today. As uh, Pastor Dan mentioned, uh, one of my hats that I wear is president of Life Ministry Institute. And I do have some literature I'm leaving for you out in the foyer. Uh, we started 11 years ago in uh, 2005. So we're in our 11th year right now with Life Ministry Institute. And we currently have about 100 students. And we're kind of all over the place. I mean, we're here in Federal Way, but we actually have... Uh, we don't call them campuses, we just call them teaching points. We're in Aberdeen, Washington, Squim, Washington, Idaho Falls, Idaho, and we even have some guys over in Asia that are using our stuff. So uh, again, we're, we're just our, our goal is just to train and equip people uh, for the call of God on their lives. So if you're interested in something like that, we, we believe strongly uh, in providing good Theological training along with practical ministry experience. You have to have both. Amen. And so uh, those are things that we're all about in, in uh, Life Ministry Institute. Got a couple of students here, too, that are current students. Uh, Cameron and Kelly are both current LMI students. So if you want to ask uh, other questions, because, of course, you know, I'm the propaganda guy. You ask me, <laughs> I'm going to tell you how wonderful it is. But they'll give you the straight skinny on uh, what, what it is. So, but uh, if, you're, if you're interested in taking a class, and we do have some introductory classes, we call them spiritual formation classes, something just to get started to give you a taste and see what God says. We have one on hearing God's call, uh, another one on understanding your gifting, and then the final one is on character. And there are just one unit courses. But anyway, if you're interested in any of those things, we do want to uh, partner with LifeSpring. We'd love to... Uh, be able to offer classes here in the faraway place of Edgewood, uh, which, but I thought it was neat because it, we could even, we could tell our, some of our federal way students, hey, well, we got this class going on down at the Edgewood venue. You can go down there and take a class and you could meet some brothers and sisters uh, from uh, some of the different places around. So uh, consider that and uh, ask the Lord what he might be saying to you as you do that. And you'll note uh, there's... Um, I got a sermon notes in your in your bulletin, and I'm going to be speaking today on God's call. God's call. 
but before I do that, I, I, I brought a guy with me. Um, his name's Bill. Some of you have met him and know him. Bill Wakefield is uh, one of my key leaders in our prayer ministries, and I, I just want to check in with him. Bill, Bill is one of those guys that I trust implicitly, and he hears from the Lord. Uh, God uses him in uh, some remarkable ways. And so just, just checking in. You got something here that we need to... Come on up here, Bill, real quick, before we jump into the message. Amen. God uses me a lot in, in healing, and that's his character, that's his nature. Jesus isn't just a healer, that's his character. And out of the character, he releases the power of God to restore. And he also operated under the Father's intentions and will. And just one quick verse here, quick, and then I have a couple of uh, words of knowledge about specific healings. But just uh, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, and verse, uh, let's see here, verse twenty. It says this, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demonized, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. It didn't seem that there was any place where he wasn't able to touch. But he operated under the Father's intentions, and even today we sing about that we have a good, good Father. Yes. He's not giving us the stuff. He's taking it away. Somehow along the line, the church has said, well, you got that because the Father loves you. He's going to give you patience or something. I wouldn't do that to my son or daughter. Yes. And yet we put that on our good Father. And he's doing the same thing today. I mean, we, every, I think every uh, church, a four-square church around the world has some place in Hebrews 13, where Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that's his intention, is to restore us. Amen. Not to make us bad and hurt us and dangerous. But just with, with having said that, what I, as I was driving off, I heard the word peaky finger, and I that's. But you're having some problem with your finger. Maybe you've had it for a long time. And then also just felt maybe you got a problem in your hands or some pain or something going on. Maybe something was broken and didn't get fit, fit right and it's still causing you pain. Then also I heard something in the stomach or the esophagus. You got some issues going on there. And then when I saw, I actually saw like a spine that was twisted. Anybody got any of those things right now? Just raise your hand. Now I'm going to ask you to stand up. Mm-hmm. Okay? One thing about Christianity is the participation oh, sport. That's right. It's not an observant sport where we just come and pay money and, and, and give 10% and love it. And go to church once in a week, once a week. It's a participation sport. We Amen. Participate and bring in the kingdom to bear yeah. upon the victory that's been talking yeah. about. We draw upon his performance, not our performance. Yeah. Not yeah. the things we've seen and things we've done, what we're good at, but what he's good at, and he says you can have it. So anybody else, maybe you may be not suffering from that right now, but you have in the past, and it's kind of a reoccurring thing, maybe with fingers or something like that. Anybody else? Or you got a family member that's walking through that as well. I like to... Because we get to pray for other people to receive that. Amen. Okay? Because once we receive them, something, then we can turn and release it to someone else. And if you haven't seen any of those things, there's enough stories in here for everybody to, to go around. Amen. Okay? So what we're going to do now is, just, the Bible says they lay hands on the sick. What? Believers. Those who will put their faith in Jesus Christ as the one who's paid the price and has performed so we can now stand and receive and so I'm just going to ask, if you're standing right now for him, just hold your hand up right now so we can make sure we get some people around you to lay their hands on you. 
Now go find some people that got their hands up. And you lay your hands. And don't get religious on us. It's not saying, oh, God, come. You're sons and daughters. You declare the kingdom's business. Yes. Releasing the kingdom That's of right. God. Mm-hmm. And the healing power was purchased in Jesus Christ. You tell that pain to go. Amen. Just speak to it right now. Don't Thank you, Lord. Just, just declare right now. Be healed in <clears throat> Jesus' name. Just release it. The king is in you. Thank you, Father, right now. We just receive freely what you gave. Mm-hmm. Release your power in the name of Jesus Christ. We command pain to go. We command bones to be straightened out. We command that spine to be adjusted. Now. Yes, in yes. Jesus, we speak to that. Everything that's wrong be made right now. Yep. Be made right in the name of Jesus Christ. Pain leave. Yes. In Jesus' name. Just put his rest in his presence. His presence was does it, not us. Yeah. We're not good at any of these things. Thank you, Father. We love you. We thank you. That you're for us. You're not against us. Yeah. You show favor and grace and mercy. Mm. Because that's who you are. Yeah. Us. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And one of the things, we're not afraid to check it out either. Because if we can't make it happen, we can't make it not happen. Except we right. participate with what he's doing. So we're not afraid to ask what's going on. Check it out and pray again if we have to. But make sure you check it out. Test it out. Amen. Tell somebody what God has done. And then look for someone else who's going to release his blessing upon you. Okay. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right. Thanks, Bill. Isn't that good? And it's, you know what the interesting thing about it is, and, and I'll mention this because, again, I'm talking about God's call today. Uh, one of my favorite things that uh, is, is one of Bill's lines. I'm stealing this from Bill, but this is what he, he loves to go and, and uh, meet people and pray with them. He leads our treasure hunt ministries as well, where they go out all over town and uh, they go find perfect strangers. Administer the life and love of Jesus. And one of the things he likes to tell people is, hey, God's in a good mood today. And you know why that is? Because there's a lot of people, if they have a concept of God, it's this concept of this very stern judge with a big hammer waiting for them to mess up so he can smack them. And they need to understand the love and the mercy of God. They need to understand that our Lord Jesus is the healer, is the one who comes and takes our cares and our burdens. Amen. And so God's in a good mood. I really like that. God's in a good mood. And, I, and I, it's good for us to keep that in mind because I know sometimes, I don't know how about you, but I forget. Right. And uh, I, I do forget about that from time to time. Well, I'm looking around and I see all the uh, green and blue this morning. And I know that you got things on your mind. Um, you know, right now you're praying and, and all of that. And I hope God hears your prayers and, you know. <laughs> It was funny, last night in our service at Northwest Church, we have a Saturday night service, total packed house. We almost had to open the overflow, and we don't normally have that on Saturday nights, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably empty this morning, that's true. But last night it was full, and I told him, I said, I know why you're here. I said, you found out about the water baptism service tonight. Yeah. And... uh, as we did, we, we actually had a water baptism service after our five o'clock service last night. But anyway, uh, God bless the Seahawks and, all, you know, and God bless you who are faithful fans. 
Uh, I want to pray, and then I've got an introduction I'll read to you. And I'm going to talk about the, the call of God uh, for a while this morning. Okay, I'm looking, I'm sorry, I, 9.35, what time do I finish? 10.15, awesome, i got lots of time. This is great. You guys are good. Pray with me, would you? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Because, Lord, when we look in your word, you teach us about you, you teach us about us. And I pray, O oh God, that as we look into your word this morning, our hearts will be open, that we would hear what it is that your spirit would say to us through your precious word. And so thank you so much for all that you're doing. Bless us now as we look in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Follow along with me in your notes, if you would, please. Uh, when we think about the way God works in people's lives, there is one very important fact that we must each come face to face with. No matter who we are, or what we may think about ourselves, good or bad, each of us has a unique, divinely ordained calling from God that He has for us to walk in. As followers of Christ, it's our responsibility to come close to God, allow Him to heal us, change us, and stand us up so that we can walk out His call in our lives. And so today we're going to look at what the Bible says about walking this call of God in our lives and what that might look like in today's world. I'm going to be in Ephesians 4, but before we go there, I want to look at a verse in 2 Timothy real quick, and then we'll jump over to Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, look at uh, what Paul says there. But in, in 2 Timothy... Uh, chapter 1, I've been meditating a lot on 2 Timothy lately. It's very interesting to me as Paul writes to this young pastor. One of the things that stood out to me uh, as I was reading through it was in every single chapter, Paul talks to Timothy about endurance, about suffering. What he's really getting along there is about sticking with it. Staying with it. And so in all of the chapters of Second Timothy, you'll see that somewhere. But in chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 8, here's what he says. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Say that with me. Called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. In other words, not our idea. Not even what you're gifted or good at. But it's what he sees instead. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. See, you know, I know what some of you are thinking right now, too, when you, when you consider some of these issues. Um, I know when I was a young guy and, and the Lord began to speak to me, he says, I've called you to be a pastor. And I'm going, wait a minute. You know who you're talking to here? I mean, hey, I got history. And I bet there's people in this room, if you, the Lord would come down and just tap you right down and say, son, daughter, just understand, I've called you to do something great. I've called you to do something bigger and quite far beyond what you think you might be capable of, some of you are immediately going to revert to your history. 
They're going to say, hey, wait, God, you don't know. I mean, come on, uh, remember back there, back when, and the things that happened and the things I did or you didn't do, all those things that we look at as qualifiers and disqualifiers, he says, that's not how it works. No, instead, he says, I have called you with a holy calling. He says, that's what I've got for you. And so whatever you might think about yourself, I want you to understand something right now. You have the call of God on your life. It's real. It's for you. It's vibrant. It's alive. And it has a future. It really does. Amen? Turn to the person next to you. Look them straight in the eye and just say, you're called. Get over it. Yeah, come on. You know what? Because we just, we got to live with it, don't we? We got to live with this. It's the call of God. And so we want to understand that no, no matter who we are, and you know, it was interesting, last night uh, one of our pastors was preaching, uh, this, uh, this week actually, Pastor Steve's mom went to be with the Lord. She was 98. Yeah. So we, we told him, take the weekend off, you know, because give him some time. So one of our other pastors was speaking last night, and it was interesting because he was talking about the call of God, and he mentioned something I thought was really good. And I told him last night, I said, I'm stealing that tomorrow. But uh, he, I, he just mentioned, you know, there's kind of three major calls that we all have to respond to. Call number one is the call to salvation. Call number two is the call to holiness. And call number three is the call to ministry. See, all of us, you know, look around the room. You say, gee, I don't really think of myself as a minister. Well, it's okay. Let's look at some things that uh, the Bible says to us. Turn over, if you would, in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, I want to read to you there just the first uh, three verses. It's a pretty short passage. But, and I'll just kind of be in that area there uh, the rest of the morning. In chapter 4, Paul says, and again, he refers to himself as the prisoner. He says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Notice that. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. I'll come back to that. Uh, with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. i got to talk to you first about walking the call. And you'll note if you look ahead in your notes, I'm looking at walking the call, understanding the call, and, uh, you know, and then um, living the call and the goal of the call. So we're, we're, we're dwelling on that theme this morning. But I got to talk to you a little bit about walking. First, what does it mean to walk in the Bible? When you think about that, uh, you know, you think, well, it's to go from one point to another. Uh, I love one of my favorite words for walking is perambulate. Did you know that's a word for walking? Yeah. The only reason I know that is because there was a sign posted in a Swiss uh, ski resort hotel that said patrons are encouraged not to perambulate in their ski boots in the late night hours because it was clunky and noisy. And so that's what they use, perambulate. But it means to walk. It means to walk. But in the Bible, the word walk in the Hebrew, it means to live, 
to regulate one's life, to conduct oneself, to pass life. See, it's more than just getting from point A to point B. We're talking about lifestyle. We're talking about purpose in life. See, it's more. When you talk about walking, it's huge. And so you and I, we have to be aware of that. In the Greek, it means to make one's way, to progress, to make due use of opportunities. When I was a young man, brand new Christian, you'd, you'd love my first pastor. Um, I got saved um, and we were, there was a whole bunch of us that all got saved at the same time. We were a bunch of hippies. Uh, you'd probably never know it. You can see my nice little spiky hair now, but I used to have hair down past my shoulders as a younger guy. Gave my heart to the Lord and God put us together in this crazy hippie church. But our pastor was a very unique man. His name was Dick and Pastor Dick was uh, Episcopal Seminary educated and a Pentecostal holiness preacher. How do you put those two together? I don't know. And it was a very interesting thing. But here he was and, and Pastor Dick was a very kind and loving man. And he used to come up and tell us. He, he'd come up and, and tell you, say, you know what? I really, boy, that long hair of yours really bugs me, but I do love you. <laughs> he would. He'd say, and the thing of it is, we knew he meant it. We knew it. We knew it. And one of the things that Dick would do with us, I mean, there'd be times when he'd come up and put his arm around you and just start walking and say, son, how's your walk? How's your walk? You know, and what's he talking about? He's talking about lifestyle. He's talking, see, why? Because our walk is our lifestyle. How do I live? Am I consistent in my life? Uh, you know, do I show Christ the same way when nobody's watching? See, how do I walk? And he, Dick would just come up, put his arm, say, son, how's your walk? And boy, you know, sometimes I'd be real uncomfortable and kind of, uh, other times I'd go, hey, I'm good. I'm good. And, you know, it would depend sometimes, wouldn't it? Because uh, we have you've got to be honest. But we have to understand, walking the call is a lifestyle. And notice the apostle tells the Ephesians, walk in a manner worthy of the call. Walk in a manner worthy. Does what we do matter? Yes. Now, does he love us in spite of what we do? Yes. And he forgives us. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, Frank, you don't know my history. There's been too much there. Let me tell you what God specializes in. He specializes in enabling people to walk who've fallen. He picks us up. And some of you have experienced that, haven't you? Where you've, you've messed up. You've done the dumbest things you could ever think of. You feel you're disqualified. And what does he do? Does he come along and kick you while you're down? No. He comes and says, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Come and walk with me. I'm going to pick you up. And you and I are going to walk together. That's what he does. But he says, walk with me. And let your walk grow. Let your walk be transformed. Let your lifestyle become changed so it looks more like me. You see, I've, what I've found over the years is it's not enough for me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't just talk good news. i got to be good news. i got to be good news. And it's so important. The second thing that we want to look at there is understanding the call or defining it. He says... Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And that, that note, that thing calling really talks about your vocation. Now, I don't care what you do, you're called. Do you understand that? You may be a barber, you're called. Right? You're a truck driver, you're called. You're a school teacher, you're called. You're a janitor, you're called. It doesn't matter. The, the call of God is on you. 
And you want to honor that calling in whatever it is that you do. And know that that's, a, that's something that God has given you. You know, it's interesting. I, I mean, I know I'm in doing what I'm supposed to do. I mean, it wasn't my idea. In fact, I fought it for quite a while. Because I didn't want to go be a pastor. Are you kidding those guys? Yeah. You know, but here I am, you know, some 40 years later. I made it this long and it's, God is gracious, I tell you. But here's the thing I want us to understand too. What does this calling look like for us? There's a lot of different things and I know that God will speak to people in different ways, whether it's being, you know, doing things in worship or children or whatever it is. Uh, all different ways that God might call you, but there's some general things that are for all of us. Turn with me if you would now to 1 Peter chapter 2. And I just want to read one verse there. Uh, there's just, uh, and there's been a ton of stuff in Peter lately too. I've been meditating on Peter and Holy smokes, it's really good stuff. But look at verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2, 9. Some of you are probably familiar with this verse, but here's what Peter says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Note that, royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous Light. Isn't that good? But here's the part that I want to touch on. He says, I've called you to be in the royal priesthood. You know, there's a theological truth that we call the priesthood of the believer. And I want to talk to you a little bit at this point about being a priest. You know, sometimes we, oh, priest, I don't know. And some of you may even, again, you look at your history. Some of you might have history in places where there's been priests who may or may not been good. And I understand that. But basically, I want to talk real quick and just say, hey, this is part of what God has called you and me to be. Now, it's interesting because this is where we see a change. If you read in the Old Testament... You never saw a priest do the king's job. You never saw a king do the priest's job. And whenever they got mixed up, trouble came up until Jesus. See, the Bible says that Jesus is our high priest and the king of kings. Amen. And there's only one shadow of that in the Old Testament. And that was a guy named Melchizedek in the book of Genesis, who it says he was king of Salem and priest of God most high. But you never see that in Israel. It was always separated, but now it's been brought together. See, we're not just a priesthood, we're a royal priesthood. We are children of the king, but he's called us to function as priests. Why would I say that? I can just tell you why. Because sometime, somewhere, everybody needs a priest. They do. Years ago, my wife and I were serving on the mission field. Um, we discovered over time that we too needed priests. You know, you're out there doing the work of God. You know, our first term, man, we were Superman and Superwoman. And we did all this great stuff and didn't really think we needed too much help. But we really, as time went on, we began to see, you know, we do need help. And I, I uh, had a couple of men who were godly men, Papua New Guinea uh, leaders there in the Foursquare Church who became my close, close friends, a guy named Kalga the other guy's name was Kamoro. And these guys became my prayer partners. And we met every Tuesday for prayer. And I tell you, I valued that so much. I needed those guys speaking into my life. And uh, whenever one of us was down, the other two were up. 
And we could encourage and lift and strength. And we functioned like that as priests. We could go to each other and confess our sins. And as time went on, we also became friends with missionaries from other organizations. And uh, this friends, this couple that we became very close with, Mike and Barb are their names. And they served in Papua New Guinea for like 30 years. I mean, amazing people. And I remember the day that Mike came into to our house. See, back when we were there, there was no cell phones. So we never knew when anybody was coming. They'd just knock on the door. And they'd say, hey, I'm here. Can I spend the night? And we'd say, yeah, come on in. And that's how we lived. So we always had people staying with us. Uh, no prior warning. We just kept the sheets clean on the beds, you know, and people would come. And Mike comes into the house and, he's go- and he comes to me and he says, Frank, I've sinned. And I'm just going, oh, no, what's he done? Because during our time there, we'd seen missionaries fall from everything you can imagine. Moral failures, you know, whatever, all kinds of things. Marriages break up. We, We saw it all during our 10 years in New Guinea. And so I just thought, oh, no, what's this guy done? You know, because he, he's desperate. He's coming in. I mean, he's just, you know, you could see that look in his, his eyes. And, and he's going on. And he, he said, please. He literally said, would you hear my confession? You know, and I thought, okay. Oh. And I just, I, I braced myself for what was about to come out of his mouth. And this is the story that he told me. He says, I was on my way back to our place of service and they lived way out in the bush over these roads you wouldn't call a road. And he said, I came up on these guys and see, there's a thing they do in New Guinea. In fact, I think they probably do it in Ghana too, where you're out on these dirt roads and the guys will shovel shovel a few shovels of dirt into a mud hole and say, yeah, we fixed the road, pay a toll. And he comes up on these guys and they said, Yep, we fixed the road, 10 bucks. Well, you know, they really hadn't fixed the road that much. I mean, the, the mud was like this deep, you know. And, but, I mean, he had a big four-wheel drive thing. But at any rate, he, he, he said, oh, he says, guys, you know me. He said, I'm not some businessman with a bunch of money. I'm your missionary. You know my wife. She's delivered your babies. Barb was a midwife and a, a, a nurse practitioner. She had delivered literally hundreds, maybe thousands of babies during that time. And she, you know, over there, some of you ladies, if you're nurses or men, if you're nurses or nurse practitioners, you guys know, when you go to these other places, you can function like a doctor. And that's what she did. She would prescribe medicine. She'd sew people up, do minor surgeries, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, these guys would get, you know, arrows because it's tribal fights, you know, and they'd go see Barb and she'd cut their you know, arrows out and stitch them up. And, you know, he says, come on, you guys know me and my wife, she's delivered your babies and she's sewed you up when you get hurt in the tribal fights and all of these things. And, and, they, and they, they're all going, oh, true, true. Yes. Oh, that's true. It's true. Yes, you're right. Five bucks. <laughs> right then, Mike, and I got to just tell you, He had never done this before. Mike loses it. He says, You want money? Throws open the door of the car, gets out in the middle of the mud hole. You want money? Pulls out his wallet, pulls all the cash out of his wallet, throws it down in the mud, stomps it down in the mud and says, Come and get your money. By this time, the toll 
collectors are halfway up the mountain because the missionary's gone crazy. (laughs) And then, right then, Mike remembers he's got two of his pastors in the car with him. Yeah. He gets back in the truck and his pastors, they're really quiet. Their eyes are big because they've never seen him like this. Never. I mean, this guy, this is so out of character for him, but they'd never seen him like, and, and uh, he looks at them and he goes, uh, I didn't handle that very well, did I? And both of them just went like this in unison. You know, he said, I should have let you guys talk to him, huh? And so, after I picked myself up off the floor from laughing at my friend, I prayed with him and did the work of a priest. You see, because everybody, sometime, somewhere, needs a priest. It doesn't matter how long we've been saved, or it doesn't matter even if we are saved. I had a neighbor when we used to live in San Dimas, California. I taught for a year, several years at our denominational Bible college down there in Southern California before moving up here. And we had a guy across our back porch, our, our back uh, fence, and we called him Beer Man. Why? Well, you could probably figure that out. But he did work for Budweiser Corporation. And Beer Man had a practice. And I don't know if any of you know about San Dimas, California. It's a very unusual little town. San Dimas is a cowboy town. There's cowboys in Southern California. Who'd have thunk it? 30 miles east of downtown L.A., cowboys. And Beer Man across our back fence, uh, he was the And so here's what they did, their typical thing. We had cowboy dance halls in San Dimas. And so people would go out dancing and drinking till the bars close at 2. Then they would come home, stand in the backyard, which my master bedroom looked right into the backyard, and he and his buddies would stand there and rope this fake bull and drink long necks. And uh, so we called him Beer Man. And, you know, he was really a pest. Uh, You know, he was a single guy, had a bunch of guys living with him, party animals, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But at any rate, I remember when one day when I was thinking about this, the Lord said, hey, he said, even beer man needs a pastor. Oh, because I was pastoring a local church as well as teaching at the Bible college at the time. He says, beer man needs a pastor. Oh. I said, OK, OK, Lord, beer man needs a pastor. OK, I'll, I'll get to that when I can. And I was out at the mailbox, you know, the collection mailboxes where everybody's. And, and it was like the Lord says, oh, look, here he comes right now. <laughs> yeah, see, you, you know, you're thinking, you know what you were thinking. You know what I was thinking. I'll get out of it. I'll get out of it. You know, I can shirk my responsibility of being a priest to this guy. But no, he says, no, here he is. And so I had to talk to the guy. I introduced myself, got, got his name, gave mine. And I just, you know what, I didn't know what else to say to the guy. But here's what I told him. I said, you know what? I said, uh, I'm your neighbor across the fence, which he kind of went, uh-oh, because he knew. Because one night they, they blew up a propane tank uh, and a giant wave of flame came over the fence and literally licked up the windows of my house. So 
you know, so when I said, yeah, I'm your neighbor across the fence, he kind of, you know, uh oh, you know, kind of thing. But I just said, you know, I had to remember what Bill says. God's in a good mood. So, uh, but all I did was to say to him, you know what? I said, I'm a pastor. And I just want you to know that sometime in their lives, everybody needs a pastor. And I just want to make myself available to you anytime you need me. And here's my card. Here's my phone number. Here's my cell call me. And the, guy, the guy's going, okay. You know, I mean, that was the whole encounter. He never did call me. He never did. But here's the thing. I've got to be good news to the people around me because I'm called. And so are you. Amen. All right. I got to move on. I've Probably taking too much time there, but that's okay. Uh, the nature of the priestly office, it implies divine choice. It implies representation. You and I can be priests and priestesses to our families and the people we live among. And by the way, if you're single, that doesn't leave you out. You can be a priest to your family, a priestess to your family and to the people around you, whether it's at work, on the job, your neighbors in the, in the uh, neighborhood, wherever it might be. What do priests do? They stand in the gap between God and man. They intercede for people. They offer sacrifices of prayer and thanksgiving. And they represent God's salvation to the people that they are among. One of the things I love about the fact that you and I are called to be priests is that you can look at the Old Testament priests. And you ever notice what they did when they had to give offerings and sacrifices? The first sacrifice they always gave was for themselves. You can read it. Check it out. The first sacrifice they always gave was for themselves. Then they would give sacrifices for others. And that tells us there's a cleansing for us and a forgiveness for us and a grace of God for us that when we confess, He forgives. Amen? And so we're not disqualified. We're not disqualified. The sacrifice of Christ can cover those things. Well, I want to talk a little bit about living the call. First, I've got to just mention a couple of things about how not to live the call. And you'll notice there I, I mentioned legalism and judgmentalism. See, it's very difficult for us sometimes. Have you ever noticed sometimes we Christians struggle with this? We struggle with unbelievers because we expect them to act like we do. We do that. And see, it, I, you know, I'm sorry, I, because I, I, I do that. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure we're all guilty of it. But I'm, can I just say it's dumb? It just is. I mean, I can't expect them to act like that. I, I know I, I've got a good friend, Tom, and I, I want to, again, this is just an illustration on how not to. But my friend, Tom, we, we go way back. We were in high school together and uh, we married roommates. So, you know, we were, yeah, we were the dynamic duo kind of thing. Back in our young days, we got saved. Tom, Tom got saved in October. I got saved in January. I mean, right along in there, same ministry, same hippie church, all that. So we've got a long history. Well, Tom's also, Tom's a biker. And actually today in Southern California, he pastors a biker church in Orange County, California. And uh, there's a picture of him on the church website. School he's got, he looks, totally looks like ZZ Top. You know, big old beard. He's got the uh, the crown of thorns tattooed around his... I mean, he's, he looks cool. I almost brought a picture, but I didn't. But anyway, Tom and his wife, Erlene, are old friends of ours. And 
Tom, because he's also a, a member of a Christian bikers organization called Bikers for Christ. Maybe some of you have heard of that. And he goes every year uh, to that uh, big biker thing over in, thank you, Sturgis. I can never remember that. I should try to remember it by the prehistoric fish, but I don't. Uh, Sturgeon. But at any rate, they go every year. They go to Sturgis and they set up a booth. They hand out bottles of water, Bibles, New Testaments, pray for people, share the gospel, love on people. And Tom told me this story where he was there one day and, you know, uh, he's, he is a biker. So, you know, he's got his leathers and all that stuff. And, and, and he's out there and they're showing the life and love of Christ. And up walks a guy in a coat and a tie carrying a placard. You get the idea? And the guy goes off on Tom. So you call yourself a Christian. You're dressed just like they do. And you look like them and all this stuff. How can you figure you call, you know, the guy just goes off on him and just kind of really. And he gets all done. And Tom's, Tom is, you'd have to know Tom. I'm glad he met Tom now. Because if he'd have met Tom, even as a Christian, you get... Oh, man, Tom, Tom would have knocked that guy in the next week. But, uh, but he met Tom when he was in a more virtuous age. But Tom's a very sharp guy. I mean, he loves Jesus. He's a pastor, and, and he's, he's good. So anyway, the guy reads him the riot act, and then Tom just says, Thank you, sir. He says, When I get to heaven, I'll tell Jesus he doesn't have to judge me because you got it covered. Hey, you don't mess with Tom, all right? You know, just don't mess with Tom. But see, that's what I think. Legalism and judgmentalism is not a good way for us to walk out our calling worthy of the call of God that's on our way. We've got to be good news. We've got to love. So notice how Paul describes there in verse 2 how the call is walked out. It's done with humility, having a humble opinions of oneself, uh, modesty. It's done with gentleness, mildness. It's done with patience, perseverance, long-suffering, slow to avenge wrongs. That's what patience means. It's done with tolerance, to sustain, to bear, to endure. You know, have you ever noticed that? Sometimes we just have to endure some things. I remember when we were having a graduation one year at the Bible College and a, and a student came to him, a graduate. He was going and a fine young man. Uh, had been recently married and was off to the East Coast to be a youth pastor. And uh, we'd had the baccalaureate service on the Friday before graduation. And that's where the faculty just lays hands on the students, anoints them with oil, and prays the power of God and speaks prophetic words. And, you know, they're assigned, you know, because we got a bunch. And But a lot of times after that's done, then students will go to professors who they know or love and and say, hey, would you pray for me or something? And this guy came to me after it was all over. He came to me and he said, I feel like you have a word for me. Would you, would you give me a word? And before I even realized it was coming out of my mouth, I looked, him and I, I looked right at him and I said, don't ever say I don't have to put up with this. Went, Shoot, where'd that come from? Later on, as he went into ministry, he had fruitful ministry, but he and his wife, they, they had a baby boy, and it turned out the baby boy had a hole in his heart. And uh, they went through years of enduring surgeries, near death, 
all kinds of, I mean, it was a horrible, horrible season in their life. But here's the thing. They made it. They made it. I saw him later on. And they were doing good and the baby was doing well and, you know, they, they, but it had really been a tough time for them. But see, you know what it is and the reason why I think that's important for us today is because we Americans, our culture teaches us you don't have to put up with this. Oh, I don't like you anymore. I don't have to put up with this marriage. I'm going to go find another one. I'm tired of Mickey D's. I'll go to Jack in the Box. I mean, whatever we, you know, whatever, however big or however small. But see, as followers of Jesus Christ, as people with the mantle of a priest on us, we do have to endure. Amen. So I just want to and, and keep that in mind as we go. And lastly, the, the goal of the call, holding on to unity in our relationships, sticking together and not allowing things to come between us. And notice there in verse three, uh, what it says there uh, in Ephesians, how it's worded. He says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That word bond is literally ligaments. And I'm not a science guy. I had to ask somebody, but I guess ligaments hold muscles and bones together. That's as clear as I understand it. But anyway, they hold things together. And it's important for you and me as followers of Jesus Christ that we stick together. I cannot afford unforgiveness. I've got to love my brothers and sisters. I've got to understand that we are in this together. Amen. And we're, we do this in the bond of peace. And so the challenge in front of you and me is for us to take hold of the call of God and understand it's a walk. It's a lifestyle. And that in each of us is the power of Almighty God to show the Savior to a lost and dying world in what we do and what we say. Amen. Amen. I'd like to ask if the uh, worship team would come and I, I want to just give you a chance or a little time uh, to reflect. And I'm hoping that you'll maybe allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you a little bit right now. Would that be all right? And uh, thank you, Lord. Praise your name. You know, when you think about the call of God, it, it can either be taken too seriously or too lightly. And I want to encourage you today that it's both serious and light. The call of God is huge, but he also says, my burden is light, doesn't he? My burden is easy. And yet... It is for you and me. And I mentioned at the beginning of my message that there are actually three calls that we all have to respond to at at some point in our lives. The first call is the call to salvation. And I don't know what your situation is. I'm a visitor here. Perhaps everyone here is a believer. But I do want to give an opportunity if you're here this morning and you have not given your life to Jesus, but you would like to. Would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to... You know, pull you up front or nothing, but is there anyone here you would just say, yeah, that's me. I'm hearing God's call. There's some kind of tugging in my heart right now. And I'm not sure what it is, but I, I think it's God. It is. He loves you. 
He loves you with an everlasting love and He'll change your life. Is there anyone at all? How about that second call? The call to holiness. Maybe you're here this morning and somebody's saying, oh yeah, that part. Yeah, it's, it's serious. He says, be holy as I'm holy, doesn't He? And then He says, I'll equip you. I'll enable you. I'll make you holy through My blood and then by My Spirit... I'll make you able to walk out that holiness. Maybe some of you need to just say, Lord, I need a holiness check right now. And I'm just, I'm saying yes. Is there anybody here? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Lord. Lord, we say yes to that. We say yes. And Lord, whatever you want us to do, if we need accountability partners, if we need to uh, go and confess to somebody, we'll do that. Because we know that there is forgiveness in Christ. Lastly, how about that third call? Call to ministry. Yep, I'm talking barber ministry. Dishwasher ministry. Barista ministry. Bank teller ministry. School teacher ministry. All of those things. Being good news wherever you are. How many would stand with me or agree with me and just say, you know what, Lord, I want to make myself available to your call. I want to do that. If that's you too, I want to invite you. Yeah, just would you stand? In fact, just would everybody stand with me and I'll just pray. And I want to give it back to pastor. But God, you are so good. Lord, you have called us with a holy calling. You've said that we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And right now, Lord, we give ourselves afresh to You and Your purposes. And Lord, we understand, just as Paul told Timothy, it's not according to my talents, it's not according to my gifts, but it is according to Your purpose in me. (coughs) And Lord, You will enable I pray, Lord, for boldness and fearlessness. I speak Your grace over my brothers and sisters that they would be good news. That they would be a word fitly spoken. That they would reach out and lay a hand on a shoulder quietly in line at the drugstore and speak the healing power of God on a person who is ill. Not with fanfare, not with shouting and spitting, but with a calm confidence in the Savior of the world. Lord, You are here. You are ready to heal, to equip, to stand us up and make us fit for the calling that You've placed on Your life. If you agree with that, would you just say, Lord, I surrender that all to you right now. I say yes. Yes, Jesus. I'm yours. You're mine. And I give myself afresh to your purposes. In your name, Jesus, I pray this and I seal it. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Pastor.